This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to the Prospect Podcast. I am in the process of making some chili for the rest of the week during coronavirus, social distancing, quarantine, whatever. The family's doing good, but we obviously are following the guidelines in New York State um, and just thought this would be a nice little meal that we could have for the next couple days, um, starting with tonight for dinner. So if you hear any crunching, it could be me chopping up a pepper or celery uh, or something like that. But this is the Prospect Podcast. And it's a pretty big one. This is uh, my big board episode where I'm going to talk about my top 32 big board. Funny story about this that I've obviously been at the big board, top 250, which is out now on CBSSports.com. I've been at it for months. It it, kind of comes together near the end of the college football season and then gets tweaked a bunch throughout the last couple months. And... I was getting to the point after rewatching after the combine, uh, finding small school guys, stuff like that. I was just recalibrating and watching more film, watching the same games over and over again for some of the top prospects. That I realized I was agonizing over this top two fifty, and and the big board means a lot to me. Like I, I take it pretty seriously. That I had to reach out to my editor R.J. White and say R.J. Just give me a deadline for this because I could work on this until the hour before the draft. Um, but we obviously wanted a little bit more shelf life before the draft. Obviously, a big board can live forever, and I'll certainly be referencing it in the future as these players get to the NFL. You can call me out on some picks that I, or some rankings that maybe were completely wrong, or maybe some that were actually pretty spot on in the next couple of years. Um, so he said, how about send it to me over the weekend and we'll publish it, uh, early next week. So now it is out on cbsports.com. It's a top 250. Um, and next to every player, uh, his position, I have his ranking at his position. So like quarterback one, quarterback two, you'll see that throughout the list, make it a little bit easier to navigate an entire top 250 ranking. Uh, so what I'm going to do for this podcast is just go through my top 32, which would technically mean these are my first round prospects. I don't really do a lot of like first round grades and compare year to year. I think with the way that 
scouting every position has to evolve and how I have just in the two years of this grading system uh, tweaked some things. Like there's no point to really, uh, or there's no real major value in um, comparing prospects year to year. Um, but so my top 32, I'm, I always just call that these are my first round prospects that I believe are the 32 best players in this draft class. Obviously not position or team base. It's just 32 best players. I have my position addition that I talked about last week in the podcast that will kind of filter or will kind of boost quarterbacks, um, edge rushers, offensive tackles, those being the top three to me, most valuable positions on the field um, and running backs near the bottom, tight ends near the bottom. Um, in the middle, safeties, corners, D tackles, interior offensive linemen. Just figured you can't have a big board that looks at just the entire draft class from afar without adding in some positional value into each grade. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get to it now. We're about three minutes in. I'm just going to start at number 32 and work my way up to number one, give a few tidbits or just my overall thoughts on all 32 of my first-round players in this draft class. Number 32, LSU safety Grant Delpit started off the college football season with a lot of like top five and certainly top 10 overall pick hype. Um, His 2018 in coverage was outstanding as a sophomore. The tackling issues certainly were, were pretty obvious. I don't think he got much better as a tackler this year. Um, And the big plays in coverage were not really there. So that's why he's probably a little bit lower. It's kind of the abridged version why. Um, He did deal with an ankle injury later in the season. I think that sapped some of his athleticism. But I think when he's healthy, he is a higher-end athlete for the safety position and gives you great size to match up with tight ends in coverage. 6'2", 6'3", 215, long arms, good instincts, make plays on the football, very energetic coming down against the run. I think he could be a little bit more under control in run support. But I think Grant Delpit is probably never going to be a a three or a four-time all-pro, but I think he'll be a solid safety for a decade in the NFL. And that's probably where most 32 overall picks, that's kind of how I feel about those players most years. Number 31, Zach Bond, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. Um, He's getting... Uh, a lot of hype to go maybe even earlier than this because of how good of a final season he had uh, rushing off the edge at Wisconsin, put up huge numbers. Uh, and there is some thought about him that he can drop into coverage. I've probably written that and I've said it, um, but going back and, and re-watching, he wasn't really used as an off-ball linebacker doing typical off-ball linebacker things on the field very often. Um, I think because he's only 6'2 and 238, um, people, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's not really big enough to be a hand in the dirt, three down D end, use him as a linebacker. I think that could be a little bit of a transition for him, but as an edge rusher, that's where the most value that you're going to get from Zach Bond. Very twitchy, great acceleration, acceleration off the snap, awesome ability to dip and bend around the corner. I think he might have the best bend and dip combination of any edge rusher in this class that's including chase young really flattens to the quarterback very well and knows how to use his hands plays low to the ground obviously at only six foot two um converts some speed to power but understands that he needs to be 
very technically sound with his hands to beat offensive tackles, and he did that very often in the Big Ten this past year. He's my number 31 overall player, Zach Bond, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. I'm just a little bit worried about his size and the one year of high-level production, um, but I think he's going to be another one, like Grant Delpit, a very good probably situational-ish edge rusher for a long time in the NFL. Number 30, uh, C.J. Henderson, the corner um, out of Florida. And I'm just looking up what's next on my chili recipe. One dark red kidney bean can. Okay, perfect. Um, Getting back to C.J. Henderson, there's a lot of hype for him to go like maybe even earlier than Jeffrey Okuda and that he could go as high as in the top 10 to the Carolina Panthers. Um, he ran sub 4-4. He has all the measurables. You like that he's coming from the SEC. Florida's certainly sent a lot of high-quality secondary members to the NFL over the last decade plus. Um, but I didn't love his film in 2019. I, I saw him give up some catches um, where I didn't think that his awareness um, was as good as you would expect for someone that is getting a lot of top 15 overall pick hype. Um, but he can play on an island because of the athleticism. I think he has good footwork, um, and that means he knows how to use his feet properly, and he's just lightning quick. Um, but I, I'm not worried about anything um, with him being quiet or, or not talking trash. That has I do not care about that whatsoever. Um, I just don't see someone, based on just his film, his film in 2018 was a little better, but 2019, I saw him get beat a few times where I was like, is this really like this slam dunk uh, of an early first-round pick? So I think he's a first-round talent, absolutely. I think he'll be a, certainly a starter in year one and a pretty good cornerback, but I don't know if I see complete lockdown, man-to-man, uh, press-on-an-island type of cornerback, or at least right away. That if you're picking a press-man corner uh in the top 10, top 15, you want that guy to be instant impact that that can almost take away one side of the field or one receiver in almost every game. And I think Henderson, uh, just his ability to find the football is a little bit lacking. Number 29 overall, I have Kyle Duggar, the safety from Lenore Ryan. I did get some tape on him, and um, I really like his ability to fly downhill from that robber spot at the safety position. Um, and if you've read anything that I've written, see my tweets, listen to these podcasts, I'm all about coverage ability over run stopping. Um, but I think Duggar, is a, he's a safety, he's a linebacker. He's going to play mostly at the second level. Um, I, I do, like, after watching him more, I realize he's probably better there than at free safety where he played a lot uh, at Lenorine. Um, so when you're talking about a second-level defender, um, you certainly want him to be able to have some linebacker-type qualities and be really good against the run. I think he is going to be outstanding as in any type of run defender when it beats, or whether that means between the tackles or that means um, on runs to the outside. I think he's going to just can really change a defense from that perspective, and with his size, he's 6'1", 217. It's almost the exact same size, I believe, as Harrison Smith uh, from the Minnesota Vikings, who's been one of the best safeties in the league for a long time now. Um, he, With great explosiveness and long speed, he is certainly someone that you want to have on the field to match up with big slots, with tight ends, um, can run with them 
I, I think he's a better linear athlete than he is changing directions, but I don't think he's super stiff. Um, I just think he gives you more of a complete package than what Grant Delpit gives you, who he's a few spots ahead of at the safety position. So a safety linebacker, Kyle Duggar, number 29 overall. Um, number 28 overall, this comes with a little caveat, Brian Edwards, the wide receiver uh, from South Carolina. He has a broken foot. We don't really know um, how healthy he is. Is he going to be ready for whenever training camp starts, for OTAs? Um, but I think his on-field play is outstanding. He He's a, a player that I've compared that – I compare to Michael Thomas um, for the uh, New Orleans Saints who came out of Ohio State. I, I think um, that – I don't know why I said Ohio State like that. But um, Michael Thomas just was this six foot three, 215-pound receiver that ran pretty good routes, could beat press at the line, um, was excellent after the catch, flashed contested catchability, didn't run super fast. That's what you get with Brian Edwards. He's only 21 years old. He was producing at South Carolina at 17 uh, for the beginning of his freshman season so many years ago. Um, and I just love his ability to do everything well. I, I don't think he's going to separate like Jerry Judy um, or Jalen Rager, but I think he's good enough in that area at his size. He's physical, has good wiggle, handwork at the line of scrimmage. He's dealt with press a lot in the SEC. Um, and then at that size, I think he understands how to use his body. He um, can make contested catches. He's not. He's unafraid to go across the middle and take a hit. And then you see flashes after the catch where he can turn on the Jets um, and hit big plays with his with his athleticism. I'm really. It was really a shame that he did break the foot and was dealing with a knee injury, so he could not work out at the combine because I think he would have had a good combine performance. And this wouldn't be that surprising of a ranking having him the back part of the first round so brian edwards wide receiver south carolina a little caveat because if he's completely not even healthy whatsoever or he's never going to be healthy i wouldn't have him here but without that information going strictly on the film with him uh, brian edwards my number 28 overall player wide receiver south carolina moving now to number 27 overall i have neville gallimore interior defense alignment from oklahoma I was really surprised that he did not have a good combine workout because after dropping all that weight, going from a nose tackle predominantly at Oklahoma to a really a, a penetrating three technique, he looked so explosive, so laterally quick, um, sudden off the line of scrimmage, and just had great ability to sustain speed to the running back, to the quarterback as a pass rusher. Um, is he the most... Um, refined with his pass rushing moves? I don't think so, but I think he understands that he's not going to just win with power. He's a little smaller, um, right around 300 pounds. Um, he knows that he needs to be able to use his hands to dispatch blocks, both in the run game um, and especially as a pass rusher. Is he someone that you want to two-gap um, and, and, and try to halt interior running plays? No, but the NFL, especially if you're an interior defense lineman, it's all about rushing the passer. And I think Neville Gallimore is one of the more uh, complete interior defensive line prospects in this class, that he gives you a little bit of everything, that there are times where he looks pretty powerful. It's not a true calling card, but he's going to win with his first step at times through a gap. Um, you love his hustle. He's a very high-energy player, 
and then occasionally a swim move, a club move. Um, he knows how to use his hands to beat blockers. So Neville Gallimore, um, probably going to go on the second round, second day of the draft, maybe third round. Um, but to me, he's a first-round prospect. Number 27 overall, Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Number 26, uh, and here we're getting into some pretty interesting guys, uh, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Started off this pre-draft process, I believe, in my top 20, top 15. Um, I just saw a power player who was outstanding with his hands. Not Aaron Donald-esque or J.J. Watt, but I thought he was very good using his hands in a variety of ways to beat blockers. Um, and he just looked super strong on film. That His bull rush um, and just his ability to hold up against the run looked of NFL caliber right now. Then he goes to the combine, does not have the best combine workout, um, but he's 6'4", 275. So you're not dealing with a 250 or 260-pound edge rusher that's going to fly around the corner like Von Miller. With Epinesa, and he only played inside about 10 to 15% of the time uh, this past season at Iowa. I think that's where you need to get the most out of him. That if you look at his combine and you say, okay, he's just an edge rusher, you're going to say, man, that's just I can't pick him in the first round. He's just not... He does not have the first-round athleticism profile that you normally see at the defensive end spot. But if you're like, well, we truly are going to use him quite a bit, more than 10 or 15% at defensive tackle, you look at his combine from that perspective and say he's a D-tackle on third down or on second and long, then he is a above-average or a high-level defensive tackle athlete. So, um, Or athlete for the defensive tackle position. So... Everything technically and with strength checks out with him. He's just not going to give you crazy burst off the line. He's not going to win with a lot of speed around the edge, but you really like his ability to use his hands and just how big and strong and girthy he is. My comparison for him is Zadarius Smith. Go back and read Zadarius Smith scouting reports when he was coming out of Kentucky a few years ago, and it was, they're almost identically the same size. Neither were great athletes for the edge rusher spot, but everything about Zadarius Smith was... He's good with his hands. He's powerful. He will be a good run defender right away. Use him wherever you want. But obviously, a lot of the scouting reports said, hey, he's just not a great athlete. That's going to be a problem. Didn't have nearly as much hype as A.J. Epinesa does. And Zadarius Smith's been one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL the last couple of years. Had truly a, a defensive player of the year type season in his first year with the Packers in 2019. So A.J. Epinesa, 26 overall. Number 25 overall, Jeremy Chin. Safety, Southern Illinois. That's probably the highest um, that you will see Jeremy Chin. Uh, I said I got some Kyle Duggar film. I also got some Jeremy Chin film, and I was just completely blown away. I thought um, his explosiveness after changing directions, and he's super twitchy, um, but his not just his ability to change directions, but his explosiveness um, in doing so was like the best I've ever seen at the safety spot. He, he is an absolute rocket getting out of any type of break. Um, he is, to me, I mean, I guess he, he's kind of far down in the rankings, but I don't think he's that much different than Isaiah Simmons. I think he's twitchier than Isaiah Simmons. Simmons has about 15 pounds on Jeremy Chin, but Jeremy Chin's 6'3", 220, uh, ran sub 4'5", 
40 plus inch vertical, like 11 foot broad jump. He's a freaky athlete. I think he would have done very well in the three cone drill. Maybe he was just a little bit scared off like a lot of players were at this combine just to run the three cone drill. I mean, when you put up those numbers first, maybe you just say, hey, I'm going to sit out those agility drills after seeing what happened to DK Metcalf last year. Um, but I think he can run with tight ends. I think he's going to be unreal in zone coverage. He's going to clog the middle of the field with his size and the fact that he covers so much ground so quickly. He gets to running backs um, that most linebackers and safeties are, would be two or three steps away from making a tackle. He has a huge tackling radius, can really close on the football um, in coverage. I just think he does everything so well right now, even though he's coming from the Division Two or whatever Southern uh, Illinois, FCS. Um, he's coming from that level. Um, but he does everything well that you want from a modern-day safety. He can play the slot. He plays robber, can certainly range from the deep middle. Um, he's only 22 years old. Uh, Kyle Duggar's going to be 24. Um, and he's a supreme athlete. And most of the superstars in the NFL are supreme athletes. So I love Jeremy Chen. I think we're going to look back and say, man, teams are happy. Or whichever team picks Isaiah Simmons is happy, but really the better value was Jeremy Chen at number 25, or later in the draft, but for me, I have him number 25 overall. Uh, the next guy, 24 overall, Yatir Grossmatos. Um, I've written this a million times, so I'll be kind of quick with him. I think he's an ascending player. I saw a long, lanky, uh, plus athlete in 2018 that got a lot of coverage sacks, was the unblocked player um, on read options, and so you see the numbers in 2018 and see that they dipped a little bit in 2019 and say, oh, he took a step back. You watch his film much better with his hands um, in 2019 than he was in 2018. Uh, he has pretty good burst off the line for being like 6'5", 266, almost 270, very long arms, um, and off his speed rush, he understands when an offensive tackle oversets and he can hit a really good inside move. Um, either a swim to the inside or just uh, a crossover move. I think he's very sturdy against the run. Um, could he play a little bit high at times? Yeah, I, I think he does, and then that kind of saps him of his power. But again, he's a young player. Um, I think he's ascending. He's shown the ability to improve or that he can improve some of the finer details of playing the edge rusher spot. You could even play him at defensive tackle at times too. Um, in kind of a sub package that's just going to rush the passer. He's got good quickness for his size. Um, I think Donnell Hunter is not crazy for him. Marcus Davenport comes to mind. Um, that looks like the total package, but just maybe a year or two away. Marcus Davenport took a big step in year two um, with the Saints after being a first-round pick two years ago. I think Yatir Grossmatos in a few years we're going to be saying, man, this is one of the more complete defensive ends or edge rushers in the league. 23 overall, Jordan Love, Utah State quarterback. Um, did not like him when I first watched him. After the combine, this kind of happened with Josh Allen too, which is weird. Uh, watching both of those quarterbacks after the combine, I liked them a lot more. I think maybe I was just like, okay, I know there's going to be some bad here because I've already watched it. Let's see what's good. Um, and kind of like Josh Allen at Wyoming, uh, Jordan Love's going to throw interceptions, and, and he did at Utah State, but he also can pull off some ridiculous uh, throws down the field. High degree of difficulty, makes it look really easy. 
has a huge arm, very just like naturally athletic. Like he can just be running away from an edge rusher and just flick the football 40 yards down the field on the line. Uh, I think he almost has a Jameis Winston-esque tendency to not recognize underneath players. Um, I saw a lot of his interceptions and his passes that should have been intercepted were on throws that there was just clearly a sinking linebacker underneath a dig route, and Jordan Love would just throw it right to linebacker's chest. So he does need to be coached up a little bit. And sitting on the sideline for a year or two, um, probably just a year in today's NFL, would not be a bad idea. And similar to Patrick Mahomes, because there are some stylistic similarities, landing in the right situation is important for every quarterback, but for someone like Patrick Mahomes and certainly Jordan Love, who's almost a more raw version and and a slightly less talented version um, of Patrick Mahomes, they need to land in a perfect situation. An innovative offensive coordinator or head coach, um, good skill position players, pretty good offensive line, a defense that's not going to put him in huge holes where he feels like he needs to push the envelope um, and force throws. Because when he gets in that, he can almost get into a rhythm of making bad decisions, and he can also get into a rhythm of making really good decisions. So Jordan Love, number 23 overall, I think he's clearly a step or two behind the top quarterbacks in this class, but I do believe he's worth a first-round pick. Number 22 overall, Christian Fulton, cornerback, LSU, uh, one of the cleanest prospects in this draft class. Only reason he's not a little higher, if he was a little bigger, um, he'd probably be inside my top 15. I think he's super twitchy. I mean, you need him to change directions. If he's covering an outside vertical route and he sees a deep over route coming in his vicinity, he can just, like lightning, get to that over route and make a play on the football. Um, did get beat a few times down the field this past season, but he was targeted more, and the pass breakups went up um, without having Greedy Williams uh, on his team this year. team said, all right, we'll try Christian Fulton, and most of the time um, that was not a good idea for the opposing offense. Certainly having Derek Stingley across from him was also not a good idea for a lot of teams throwing against that LSU secondary. But Christian Fulton has the speed, ran sub 4-5, um, the versatility to play man and just run with a team's number one wide receiver down the field or in zone, which I think he can be outstanding in zone because of his awareness, his football IQ, just instincts, reads route concepts very well, very experienced um, in the SEC, and his twitchiness. Uh, So I just think he is someone who could maybe make an all-pro team or two, um, but again, will just be a a 10- to 12-year solid pro in the NFL. Christian Fulton, number 22 overall. Number 21 overall, Jalen Rager, TCU wide receiver. And the biggest thing with him is you see 611 yards and you wonder what happened. Well, certainly, and if you're probably listening to this podcast, you understand or you've watched some film yourself and know that the TCU quarterback situation was terrible. That he, Jalen Rager, accounted for almost the exact same percentage of TCU's passing yards Uh, or I guess receiving yards, 25%, as Justin Jefferson did at LSU with over 1,400 yards, uh, with Joe Burrow throwing over 5,000 yards. So that gives some context and some perspective in terms of production. But when you talk about a a game-breaker with his speed, with his elusiveness, um, that is Jalen Rager. I like the fact that he's around 5'10", close to 200 pounds. He's stocky. Um, he has good contact balance, just never really was able to have uh, good opportunities to make defenders miss on a regular basis in that TCU offense. 
and it's so many times where he just on the vertical route tree leaves a defender completely in the dust and the ball is five feet over his head or it's three yards short. Um, I think he can be one of the more explosive playmakers in the NFL pretty much right away. I, I love his profile. He jumped over 40 inches around an 11 foot broad jump. Um, Ran 4.47, but if you check out my article on CBSSports.com um, with a company that I did a study with called Slants, which was really awesome, that tracks college players, kind of like next-gen stats um, from film to see how fast they're truly running. Jalen Rager, um, in a group of 10 wide receivers that I included in the study, Henry Ruggs kind of setting the benchmark for speed, Jalen Rager was the second fastest play a right around 21 miles per hour, which is really moving and certainly faster than 447. So I think he he certainly plays faster than 447. Um, I, I just think um, with his size profile, his athleticism, uh, I have to do this meat, this uh, ground beef I did not have thawed, so I'm defrosting it. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Rager is going to be a solid playmaker in the NFL for a long time. Love his explosiveness down the field, whether it be the football with his in his hands or just throwing him a bubble screen or a slant and letting him uh, take it to the house. Number 20 overall, Derek Brown, defensive lineman from Auburn. Um, that's probably the lowest you'll see him. I see someone that is the best run defender in this class on the defensive line, edge rusher or interior defensive lineman. Did not see him as a tackle. Great two-gapping, uh, kind of going into an offensive lineman and reading where the football is and then throwing an offensive lineman to the side and making the tackle. At 6'5 and almost 330, he has a huge tackling radius. Um, so you love that part about him. And his bull rush is probably the best bull rush, the strongest, most powerful bull rush in the class. I, and occasionally, once in a blue moon, you see him throw a swim move out there or he tried to spin, I think, one time. He just does not have a pass rush move arsenal right now. He reminds me a lot of Akeem Hicks, um, Marcel Darius, uh, someone like that that I think will, I mean, I guess this is where a lot of these bottom half of the first round guys are for me. Uh, he'll be in the NFL for a long time and he's going to make impact plays against the run. I just don't know if he's ever going to be a great disruptive pass rusher. Once uh, offensive guard centers can sit on his bull rush, um, and certainly some will be overwhelmed by it initially um, and throughout his career as he gets stronger, but they will be able to say, okay, he's coming with this bull rush, um, so I'm ready for it. That if you can keep an offensive lineman on his heels where he's guessing, that's a huge advantage for any player in the trenches, and I just don't believe that Derek Brown has um, the pass rush move arsenal to be a really good pass rusher especially on that rookie contract where it's the most valuable to get that production. But again, it sounds like this is a super negative scouting report. He's my number 20 overall player. I think he's a really good prospect. Number 19 overall, Xavier McKinney, Alabama. This guy does everything. And he kind of gets buried in this uh, safety class of, with Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin and Grant Dalpit, all these big guys. Xavier McKinney uh, was the quarterback of that defense for um, Nick Saban over the past two years. He can play in the box. He's super active, high tackling numbers, um, can beat blocks, can uh, just avoid blocks and get there a step earlier than a pulling guard and, and get to the ball carrier. Love him at the intermediate 
portions of the field, making plays on those in-breaking routes, and then down the field, sinking in zone as a free safety, getting to the sideline. I just don't really see any major hole in his game. Is he the freakiest athlete in the safety class? No, because we have the Jeremy Chins and the Kyle Duggars, but I think he's a high-end athlete. Um, I don't think Landon Collins is a crazy um, comparison for him. I think that's pretty close. And Landon Collins, pre-going to Washington, not that he had a bad year last year, but he did have the one you know, defensive player of the year type season in New York with the Giants. Um, Xavier McKinney, my number, where am I looking here? My number 19 overall player. Number 18, Makai Becton, offensive tackle from Louisville. Um, everyone knows about the size and what he can do um, just with sheer overpowering strength at the point of attack. He's 6'8", 350, 360, um, ran a 40-yard dash close to five seconds. He's a an outstanding, phenomenal athlete. There's no doubt about that. And he is going to be a road grader for the run game right away. Um, I think he's good in pass protection too. I think um, his kick slide's pretty solid. He's not stiff, um, plays pretty low to the ground, and he has that Orlando Brown uh, type of ability that just comes natural because of how big he is, that the arc he creates with his reach and his height uh, is huge, that an edge rusher has to go all the way around him to get to the quarterback, even if he cleanly beats Mekhi Becton. It's taking probably another extra third of a second, half of a second, which that could be the difference of a strip sack or a completed pass and maybe not even a pressure. So um, I do think he has a little bit of technical work when he's just truly kick sliding um, for just a normal pass play. There was a lot of RPO, a lot of screens, a lot of play action at Louisville. Um, but there's, I mean, all of those are elements that are being used in the NFL today. Makai Becton, uh, you're getting a, a, a mountain of a man that I think is going to right away assert his will for your ground game and is going to be a pretty good uh, pass protector in the NFL as a rookie and throughout the duration of his career. Number 17 overall, these guys had pretty, let me look, pretty much, yeah, they had the exact same grade um, or very close. Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston. Uh, three or four years now of just dominating play in the AAC. Um, I thought his footwork in pass protection was a little iffy coming into the season. Cleaned that up. Um, very strong. Doesn't carry any bad weight. Um, and very methodical to the second level. Not whiffing. Not uh, seemingly knowing where to, to be and what linebacker if he needs to block the mic or the Sam. Um, and then in pass protection, I think he gives you a good blend of power, athleticism, balance. I don't think he's tremendous in any of those areas, but there's not one weakness where you say, oh, you can really get him off balance with a counter move. Or if you beat him to the inside, he doesn't have the quickness to recover. Or if you can bull rush him, you can, or if you have a good bull rush, you can just bull rush him back to the quarterback. I think he's good across the board. Number 17 overall, Josh Jones, offensive tackle. Houston. Number 16 overall. This might be, my, I guess, maybe my highest uh, highest rated player that's probably going to go in the second or third round. Uh, I'm trying to look. Yeah, that. I mean, I guess maybe Jeremy Chin, but there's a lot more buzz for him than this player. 16 overall, Curtis Weaver, edge rusher from Boise State. Um, I just believe that he has the tools to be a really good pass rusher for a long time in the NFL. 6'2", 265, so he is thick. He... <laughs> He certainly has um, an NFL edge rusher type of body, um, and 
was productive, highly productive um, for all three of his seasons, even from his freshman year on at Boise State. Um, I think for his size at 6'2", 265, he has pretty good burst off the line of scrimmage. It's not elite, but I do not think it's a liability whatsoever. And I think some of the weaker tackles in the NFL he will beat with his first step and his acceleration around the corner. He can really flatten to the quarterback, which is a huge uh, part of playing that position. Uh, and then he has a variety of pass rushing moves. I, and when I say variety, that means with Weaver, it's probably on the lower end. He doesn't have six, seven moves, but he has three or four that are good. Um, I think his swipe move and his swim move are, are very good when he's trying to beat offensive tackles around the corner. Um, so Curtis Weaver, there's just, I don't know, later in the season, um, his film wasn't as good. He was dealing with a pretty serious ankle injury that he played through, was able to recover and do almost a full workout at the combine. And to have that seven-second three-cone drill at that size profile, 6'2", 265, that's almost Justin Houston-esque. Um, but my comparison for him is Jerry Hughes. I think they're similar players. Jerry Hughes was maybe a little bit better with his hands coming out of TCU. Um, I think Curtis Weaver gives you maybe a little bit better ability to flatten to the quarterback. Um, Jerry Hughes went late in the first round, uh, 2009, I believe, 2010, 2009, um, and has been one of the best pass rushers in the AFC for a long time now. So Curtis Weaver, number 16 overall. Um, I just think he's going to be not only a good player as a rookie, but for a long time you can pencil him in for 6 to 12 sacks a season, um, just pass rushing Specialist, and again, kind of like Jerry Hughes, you know, six six to twelve sacks. That might not seem like a lot for a first round pick or a first round talent, top half of the first round. I think he's going to get a ton of pressures. I just think that he can win in the three most important ways with speed, with some power, and with pass rushing moves. And you don't have to hope that he develops any of those. Um, number fifteen overall, Jedrick Wills, uh, offensive tackle, Alabama. Um, there's some speculation or some buzz that he could go. Inside the top five, he could go as high as number four overall to the New York Giants. Um, and there is this one, and, and I'm not trying to disrespect any other analysts out there, but there's this thought among some draft analysts that, like, Jedrick Wills is this, like, absolutely freaky all-time athlete. I just did not see that on film. I saw a good athlete. I didn't think um, he was terribly unathletic. Like, I think he's, he's a good athlete, and I think – Maybe you could even categorize him as a great athlete, but I don't. I like one of the first things I wrote in my notes after saying how technically sound he was with his hands and his angles is that he's a little bit clunky when he gets to the second level. That um, it, it's almost like he needs to like lose some weight in his lower half, or his lower half isn't strong enough to kind of carry his upper part of his body. Um, but you really like what you saw. I took a huge jump. I watched some of his 2018 film. It was not nearly as good as it was in 2019. He was a big recruit, um, and yes, he played right tackle, but that was Tua Tungavailoa's blindside. Devastating run blocker and very good on combo blocks. He understands his assignments and gets there, um, and will put some defense alignments on their back too. Like he, He's very strong, and again, I think he's a, a technician. He's just a little bit lower and behind uh, some of the few other top offensive tackles in this draft class to me because I just think he's a tick slow in his kick slide and a little bit clunky getting to the second level. But again, 
Number 15 overall, I, I certainly think pretty highly of Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama. Number 14 overall, his teammate, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver, um, Alabama. I think he is going to be one of the fastest players in the league right away. I mean, this is kind of a boring scouting report. Um, love that he has big hands, over 10 inches, um, and he flashed the ability to make some circus catches. He's not just a speedster that has to have the football thrown to him like in the bucket to make plays. And also, I like the fact that at Alabama, um, he was showcased like in the underneath game, that it wasn't just go routes or bubble screens. It was slants. It was drag routes. Um, where that's where you can really get some yards after the catch from him, where he doesn't really even need to make anyone miss. He just turns on that top gear right away, and he's gone. Um, 25 touchdowns on 100 touches at Alabama. That is insane touchdown production. Um, I think if he goes around this area of the draft, um, I think Denver at number 15 overall, the Raiders inside the top 15, the Jets at 11, uh, would make per- make perfect sense for him. I'm, the only concern would be that his size, he's 5'11", 188. It's a little bit small, um, exact same size as John Ross. Not insinuating that the exact size means that Henry Ruggs is going to be the next John Ross. Um, there's a lot that kind of goes into him being basically a bust so far, um, being that speedster that was picked in the top 10. Um, but you would like to see a little bit more size with him. And the fact that, yes, he was playing with Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith. Um, the fact that um, he didn't have crazy production, was a low-volume type of player at Alabama. So to pick him in the top half of the first round, you're saying, hey, like you're going to be pretty much our number one wide receiver. We hope by the end of your rookie season, that could be asking a little bit much for Henry Ruggs. But I think everything athletically and what he does as a route runner um, and just his incendiary speed will make him one of the better big play threats in the NFL uh, very soon. Number 13 overall, T. Higgins. Uh, this might be, a, I guess, maybe my most controversial, outside of Curtis Weaver and maybe Jeremy Chin. Um, yes, T. Higgins started as my number one wide receiver in this draft class. After the pro day um, and the combine for, for Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, I did my normal recalibrations I do for everybody, um, and he finishes my number three wide receiver. Um, I think... He plays faster than four five four, which I believe was his officially unofficial or unofficially official time at the Clemson Pro Day. Um, did not have the best workout beyond that with his uh, vertical. I don't even think he was able to complete a three cone drill, or maybe there was an official time put down, but it it, it really was not anything to write home about. Um, short shuttle was not great either. I think he needs to be in the right system. That if he has a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, and I don't mean someone that's just, you know, a, a Andrew Luck type of player. I mean quarterback that is willing to throw him the football when he does not look like he's open. Um, and an offensive coordinator that's going to use him on the vertical route tree, he's going to thrive. And quietly, Mike Williams uh, of the L.A. Chargers uh, has had a couple of good seasons there, dealt with injuries. I think T. Higgins is a better version of Mike Williams. Um that he has better body control, he's not as clunky, he can make more plays after the catch. He and Jerry Judy, to me, uh, made as many defenders miss in space. Like I, I didn't see Jerry Judy, I mean, Jerry Judy's cuts are more violent, but I they looked just flashy, but not super effective. I saw T. Higgins running away from people, um, and just almost like a gazelle in the open field, that he has good vision um, and will find running lanes after the catch, but obviously... The ball skills, to me, his catch radius, body control, just general 
high-pointing ability are as good or, or the best wide receiver I've seen in those areas since Mike Evans, my top wide receiver in the 2014 draft class. So that's the kind of receiver that you're getting, I believe, with T. Higgins. Just need to use him in the correct ways. Don't ask him to run a variety of routes. Um, use him off the vertical route tree, and he will be an effective player and have a quarterback and offensive coordinator that are not afraid to get him the football um, when he might not have three yards of separation. Number 12 overall, Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle Georgia. Um, super clean prospect, um, very long, over 36-inch arms, um, or right around 36 inches. Um, great run blocker in terms of technically sound, overwhelmingly powerful, uh, and certainly at Georgia over the last two years, they really just wanted to beat teams up with the run game, and they did. Um, I like that his footwork and his balance and pass protection got better from 2018 to 2019, and I can never get, I'm not someone that really goes back and watches a ton of like film two and three years before. Like If I'm projecting someone forward, I'm looking at their most recent film of, of their final season, but that performance that Andrew Thomas, as a sophomore, had against Josh Allen, the edge rusher from Kentucky, who went inside the top 10 to the Jaguars, had a really good rookie season, uh, made the Pro Bowl. Uh, I just cannot get that out of my mind, that I was watching him going, wow, look at this sophomore offensive tackle from Georgia just dominate someone who, at the time, I mean, watching film for Josh Allen, we all assumed that he was going to be a top 10 pick. So I think uh, he has the length. He tested a lot better than people thought. Explosive athlete for the position. Um, and just multiple years really dominating in the SEC. That's what you want to see from an offensive lineman. Or if you see that, that's a huge luxury. So Andrew Thomas, my number two offensive tackle, number 12 overall. Number 11 overall for me, Caleb on on LSU. Um, go back and read scouting reports from Alden Smith, who was a little taller, 6'4", compared to 6'3", and about 10 pounds heavier than Caleb on Chason. The scouting reports, from what I've gone back to read, I wasn't scouting players in 2011, um, but it's almost identical to how I feel about Caleb on Chason now, that with speed, with power, with a ton of pass rushing moves, with high energy, um, that's how he wins around the edge and, and that he could get better. He could add more weight to his frame um, and get stronger, get sturdier against the run. That was kind of the book on Alden Smith, who had a ridiculous rookie season in 2011 on those, that really good San Francisco 49ers team. That's the type of player, maybe a slightly smaller version, um, that you're getting with Caleb on Chase on. Now for my top 10. Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, South Carolina. Uh, he's a power player. He's going to win with his bull rush and his first steps. Quickness to power, I'll call it, because it's not sustained speed. It's just that first step really just rocks back. Almost every interior uh, offensive lineman that I saw in the SEC. Um, decent pass rushing moves. He's not Aaron Donald with his hands, um, but he doesn't really need to be at this point. Um, I just think he can win th just through a gap. He can win through a guard or through a center. Um, I love his high energy. Plays a little bit high at times, but he is six foot five. Um, has long arms. Absolutely dominated at the Senior Bowl, which is kind of tailored for him in those practice uh, drills. One on one, he's going to win a lot. Um, didn't have crazy stats, but a lot of pressure. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, I think, is going to be a very, very good pro. I could see some All Pro distinctions for him in the future. He's my number ten 
overall player in this draft class. Number nine overall. You're probably wondering, where's Justin Herbert? Right here. Number nine, Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon. Might be the highest you'd see him. I just think he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen when he was coming out of Wyoming. I think Herbert is a little cleaner with his footwork. Um, probably just got better overall coaching um, and, and was a little bit further ahead with like the mechanical stuff with his feet um, than Josh Allen was coming from Wyoming, being this walk-on or this like low one or two-star recruit. Um, but they both have big arms. Justin Herbert, I mean, go back and watch some of the early stuff uh, from this past season or really 2017 and 2018. He can make throws that Tua and Joe Burrow simply cannot make. He has a rifle for an arm. Uh, you like the athleticism. He's not afraid to scramble, and he will run aw- run away from some people at 6'6", 235, 240. Um, the accuracy can be a little bit scattershot, but in general, I think Justin Herbert, um, in the right system and on a team uh, that has a good offensive line and kind of takes the reins off him and doesn't say, hey, like let's do what you did at Oregon this past year and just run the football like 50 times a game. Let him... Like tell him in the in the puddle on the sideline, the post game or the pregame meeting, let it rip out there. That's where he's the best. And I think his really his some of his best stretches um, came like when Oregon was behind. There was a game 2018, I believe it was Arizona. It was a loss. They were down like 21 or 28 to nothing, and they're like, we can't run the ball anymore. And Justin Herbert was, I was like, wow, this is like Andrew Luck. And I wasn't even that high on him last year. Um, as opposed to or compared to a a lot of people who thought he was going to be the first overall pick in the draft before Kyler Murray kind of just came out of nowhere and and really flew up draft boards. Um, But that earlier in his career, 2017, um, and then early in this season in 2019 when they had to score some more points and they weren't just throwing bubble screens and running the football, that's where, to me, I saw the best of Justin Herbert. Um, I think he does need to be... Um, on a team with a good offensive line, even though he can scramble, and maybe sitting for like half a season. So we could maybe just fine-tune his coverage reading ability. Um, That would be the best scenario for him. I don't think he's like right away uh, someone that you definitely want to be starting week one, which if you're picking a quarterback in the top 10, maybe you do want that. Um, But those are kind of my nitpicks for him. I'm a lot higher on him than most draft analysts. Justin Herbert, number nine overall. Number eight overall, Jerry Judy from Alabama, wide receiver, Separation king. He's going to get open. There's no doubt about that. He has 4-4-5 four, four, speed, so he can win vertically as well. I think he's a little showier than he is effective, and I kind of hinted at that uh, when I was either talking about T. Higgins or Henry Ruggs, my number 13 and number 14 overall players, that the you know his knee almost like collapses and his whole body moves to make a cut. Yes, occasionally he you know will leave a safety or a corner whiffing at air, but he's not crazy after the catch or as good after the catch as uh, his juking ability would suggest. Um, but you love how technically sound he is, that he's an outstanding route runner. You can ask him to run any route, two, three breaks. He's going to create separation. And in today's NFL, separation is probably still the most important element of playing the wide receiver position. So Jerry Judy, my comparison for him, Adam Thielen, um, and relative to the hype for Jerry Judy, that might seem like a diss, but Adam Thielen is an outstanding route runner, has been a superstar over the past few 
three or four seasons in Minnesota. They're almost the exact same size, had similar workouts, um, decent tracking the football down the field, but not rebounders that are going to high point it over six foot two corners. Um, but Jerry Judy is going to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. Number seven overall, Isaiah Simmons. This might be a little lower than most people have him. Um, I alluded to this earlier with Jeremy Chen. I think Isaiah Simmons is absolutely like a freak created in a lab, being six foot three, two thirty eight with that with sub four four speed, uh, crazy vertical, crazy broad jump. I think he's ridiculous in a straight line, and that he's not like super stiff changing directions. He actually has decently loose hips. I just don't know if he's crazy twitchy, and you need to be twitchy playing this kind of free-roaming linebacker safety spot in the modern-day NFL. Um, But yes, you can blitz him. You can play him at linebacker. You can play him at strong safety, free safety even at times. Um, I know that Clemson played him at pretty much in the deep middle, and he had an interception um, in that semifinal game against uh, Justin Fields where he ranged from the deep middle and got to the sideline. Um, that's probably not where you're going to predominantly play Isaiah Simmons. Closer to the line of scrimmage will be best. He's going to boost your run game a great deal right away. He's going to be able to run down the seam with any tight end in the league. Um, But the only minor concern is the fact that um, he is not incredibly twitchy, that it takes him like an extra split second at 6'3 and 240 um, to change directions if he gets turned around by a running back out of the backfield or if there's a misdirection run play. Um, that's my only minor concern. He has an absolutely enormous tackling radius at his size with his long arms, and he's a freak athlete. So I think he too, along with Derwin James, he's like an oversized version. I think James um, was more natural of a cover man, um, but those two will be the more uh, you know, prototypes for this positionless NFL that we're kind of trending toward. Number six overall, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Uh, yards after the catch, just through the roof. That if you're even comparing C.D. Lamb with Jerry Judy and you're like, all right, Jerry Judy's probably a better route runner. They're about the same. They have about the same speed. Um, so where is C.D. Lamb better? Yards after the catch, like contact balance, vision. Um, his cuts don't look as cool as Jerry Judy's, they're more effective. He will make any linebacker safety corner multiple miss on any given play. Um, his acceleration from like a standstill, uh, he can catch a comeback and then just spin down the sideline. Did one against Baylor uh, in the Big 12 title game in Jerry World that was just unbelievable. Um, had a long touchdown against Kansas State, I believe, or Iowa State, Kansas State. Um, he made like the whole team miss. He like caught a bubble screen or a tunnel screen on the left side of the field. And it was like a 60 yard touchdown, 70 yard touchdown where he just looked like the most explosive dynamic running back uh, in college football. So I think being able to create yards after the catch is huge in today's NFL. He ran four or five at the combine. I think he's right around as fast as Jerry Judy. I think he gives you a little bit more contested catchability than Jerry Judy as well. That's kind of, the abridged version of why he's a few spots higher than Jerry Judy and my number one wide receiver in this draft class, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Now into my top five, Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. It's my top offensive tackle, top offensive lineman. Love his wrestling background. Uh, He had a historic combine 
for the offensive tackle position. Uh, and he's just not this freaky athlete that needs to get stronger and needs to get heavier. Uh, he's 6'4", 320, broke records in the Iowa weight room, um, even as a sophomore in 2018. Uh, his kick slide is fast. Uh, he uses his hands well. He knows how to reset his hands. Inside moves are not going to beat him to the quarterback because of his ability to slide. Uh, his kick slide's very good. He seamlessly jumped from right tackle to left tackle in the middle of the season last year for Iowa um, when Alaric Jackson, his teammate, who's an absolute stud too, got hurt and didn't even miss a beat. And we always hear about with so many of these former offensive linemen that are in the media now, oh, yeah, it's not really that easy. It's actually super hard to go from right guard to left guard or right tackle to left tackle. Tristan Wirfs did it, and it seemed like completely uh, effortless for him. So Tristan Wirfs, doesn't matter if you're in a zone scheme, a power scheme, what you want to do, I think Tristan Wirfs, whether you have to start him at right tackle or left tackle, I don't think that matters either. Um, he did predominantly play right tackle at Iowa. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, all pro multiple times in his career. Athleticism, power, balance, everything you could want from a franchise offensive lineman. Number four overall, Jeffrey Akuda, cornerback Ohio State. Uh, I mean, he, to me, is the prototype for a press man corner. He's over six foot, over 200 pounds, um, 32-inch arms, a little bit longer than that. The athleticism and the footwork of a slot cornerback, uh, pretty good ball production at Ohio State the past two years. I think he mirrors very well down the field. Everything checked out athletically at the Combine. Uh, and, yeah, that's pretty much as much praise as you can heap on a cornerback. Jeffrey Akuda, my top corner, number four overall prospect in the 2020 draft. Number three overall, Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback Alabama. Instead of just going through everything that you've heard on ESPN and NFL Network last couple of weeks or months about him, I'm going to stay away from the hip stuff uh, because I don't have any inside info medically with that. And I'm not just going to talk s- strictly about – you know, where he thrives because everyone kind of realizes how advanced of a passer he is. My only concerns with him on the field are the fact that um, at Alabama played behind probably four, if not five future first round picks on the offensive line. Um, They have a few guys that are playing there now that returned uh, that are, that are really, really good blockers. And obviously the receivers, the fact that which those are kind of obvious. You've probably heard that. Beyond that, the fact that I, I don't know how crazy quick he is and uh, adept he is at getting through his reads. I think most of the time he understands, all right, I got to move off this this slant. It's not there. There's a, uh, you know, like the weak side linebacker is in the way. But I think at times he has a tendency to get a little bit locked on, especially some of the downfield routes. Um, and the fact that he just does not have a huge arm, that if you're picking this quarterback number two overall, number three, oh, he's the next whatever, he's the next Russell Wilson, uh, Drew Brees, I don't see that. I, I think, um, and like, I guess I'm saying Russell Wilson in that I don't think he's ath- nearly as athletic as Russell Wilson, um, and he does not have the arm of Russell Wilson. Drew Brees, I think, was a little bit more surgical, um, I, again, can't say that in 2000, 99, 2000, 2001, I was scouting uh, Drew Brees coming out of Purdue. Um, but I think just watching him um, with the Saints, I think he's 
processes a, a tick faster than Tua Tungavailoa, and that could be the difference between an interception and a completion. Um, but so those are my kind of two concerns that the, um, or I guess three concerns, not always, or, or having a tendency to lock onto that number one receiver and not get off him, especially down the field. The fact that he does not have a big arm, it's NFL average. And I think that's being polite or being nice. Um, and the fact that, yeah, like I, I've seen a lot of things saying, oh yeah, he creates his improvisation is awesome. I just don't think he's going to be able to create that much. He kind of seems athletically to me a lot like Baker Mayfield, who made a lot of plays off script at Oklahoma, but we've seen in his first two years in Cleveland, like, oh, he's not that outstanding of an athlete to make an edge rusher miss, um, an NFL edge rusher miss at the quarterback spot. So I think Tua, if he gets on a team with a good offensive line, um, I think he will be a really good quarterback. So, I mean, I, I wanted to give uh, some secondary insight on some of these players like Derek Brown um, and, you know, talk about maybe some of the negatives or, or some of the things that I haven't really seen out there. So that means you probably haven't seen them out there or could mean that um, just so you get more of a well-rounded idea of how I view these players. Having said all that about Tua, he's my number three overall player. Like when I put him into my grading system, added my position addition, number three overall player. His raw grade was closer uh, to number seven, number eight overall, not number three. But I think uh, the accuracy is absolutely pinpoint. Um, and most of the time, he knows where to go with the football, um, pre-snap and post-snap. Um, I think he manages the pocket pretty well. He understands that he just needs to keep his head up and slide around, drift uh, in the pocket, which I think is still important, maybe not as important as it used to be. Um, we're seeing with Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen and uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the ability to, to ad-lib and create off-script is probably even more important than it was during the, the pocket era with Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. Um, but I think you still need to be able to move inside the pocket away from pressure, and I think two is pretty good in that area as well. Number three overall player, Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback, Alabama. Number two overall, Chase Young. Edge rusher, Ohio State, and I'll stay with the same theme. Everything that you've read or heard about Chase Young, I probably agree with. The one concern I have for him is that um, at times he can be a little bit stiff around the corner, and you see him get pushed just a hair past the quarterback. That Big Ten offensive lineman, and when Ohio State was playing in some of the bigger games um, against Clemson, uh, in these uh, college football playoffs, some better competition at times um, if he was not able to win right off his first step or with a really good move, uh, pass rushing move right away, an offensive lineman could sort of recover that he was pushed past the quarterback. I do think that at six foot four, six five, almost 270, um, his flattening ability and his uh, bend is pretty good, but that's like the only pretty good part of his game. Everything else is absolutely excellent. Absolute karate uh, master with his hands. Um, burst is elite. His speed to power is outstanding. Um, I think he's is a good athlete. I think he's a little bit more like 
Bradley Chubb than he is like a Julius Peppers or a Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was bigger. I think he flattened to the quarterback even better, and I didn't see him get pushed past the quarterback as much. Chase Young probably has better a better pass rushing arsenal um, in terms of his moves than Miles Garrett did, but I think Garrett can just win off sheer explosion and pure athleticism a little bit more than Chase Young. I think Bradley Chubb's kind of uh, out of sight, out of mind. He got hurt early last season, had a great rookie year, double-digit sacks, gets hurt, and I don't want you to think that me comparing Chase Young as a maybe more a slightly more explosive version than Bradley Chubb is a bad thing. I think any team would be happy to have Bradley Chubb on their team um, for the foreseeable future. So Chase Young, everything else, hand use, athleticism, speed to power, size, motor, uh, outstanding. Just a little bit concerned that at times uh, he has problems like dipping and bending and flattening to the quarterback. Number one overall, Joe Burrow. Uh, he actually finished, his raw grade was a little bit lower than Chase Young, but with position addition, um, he's my top player. You have to you know, boost up the value of quarterbacks when you're grading them because they're, it's just way more of an important position um, than any other on the field. Um, and staying with the theme of some of these big-name guys that you've heard so much about, um, the only concerns I have with Joe Burrow um, – Average to above average arm. I think at times it can be really good, but at times it can be can look a little worrisome. Um, and really, just the fact that um, we only saw one year of this elite, historic type of production. But in terms of accuracy, I think he's right up there with Tua Tagovailoa, if not better. I think his pocket management skills are just as good as Tua's, if not better. Um, and he certainly improvises better. I think he's a little bit better of an athlete than Tua. Um, and just has more of a natural knack to make plays outside the pocket. He can elude a, a defensive tackle, a blitzing linebacker, keep his head up, uh, and then still throw it on a dime down the field. We saw that so many times this past season at Alabama. That play against Georgia in the SEC title game where he like looped around five different times and jumped over someone and then threw it, I believe, to Justin Jefferson like 50 yards down the field. Absolutely unreal. Joe Burrow, best college football season from a quarterback maybe player ever, and finishes this draft process as my number one overall player, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. All right, this was super long, but hopefully you took a lot from it. You can see this top 32 along with my top 250, my complete finalized 2020 NFL draft big board right now on CBSSports.com. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening.